Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Thessalonians chapter number five. I want to thank Brother Fred. He he brought over several fans, amen, to help us uh, dry things out. So I appreciate him. First Thessalonians five and verse number fourteen. The Bible says, "Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak." And be patient toward all men. I'm just going to read one more time because it's all the only verse I got here to get started. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, and be patient toward all men. We won't get all the way through this here today, although it's just a verse. But uh, this morning I want to talk about keeping rank. Keeping rank today. I appreciate you. I worship you. God, I pray, oh Lord, God, that God, to the working Jesus of your presence, God, they'll be thankful Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. First Thessalonians, the book of Thessalonians, but First Thessalonians in particular, if you were to read it, it has a very prominent theme that runs all throughout the book. And uh, honestly, the old hymn that we got back to this morning uh, connected with the book of First Thessalonians because it is a theme concerning the second coming of Jesus Christ, by and large. As a matter of fact, you really, all in all, there is not, like a vast amount of scripture along the lines of the catching away but second thessalonians does very well because the church at thessalonica was concerned uh, with the rapture or the catching away of the church and some were a little bit apprehensive that perhaps uh, maybe it already took place and uh, there were some that were worried about their deceased friends and loved ones wanting to know Uh, how their death was going to have a bearing on the catching away. Would that mean they wouldn't be able uh, to be caught away? And so there were a lot of questions that were encircling the catching away. And so it's mentioned in every, every chapter of the book of 1 Thessalonians. And it's also mentioned in chapter number 5 from which we took our verse. The Bible speaks there in chapter 5 about... Uh, the Apostle Paul speaking to the church about the day of the Lord. It's called various things, but that's the rapture of the church, the day of the Lord, the, the second coming, so on and so forth. But what Paul does for us in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 14, as he it begins talking about the day of the Lord, he comes to verse 14 and he, he relays to the church, he relays to each and every one of us, that we all to a certain degree, to a certain degree, we all to a certain degree have a responsibility to one another, to one another for being ready for that day of the Lord. We all have a responsibility to one another. And so he starts out quite plainly in verse 14. He says, now, now we, because along with Paul was 
was Silas, or in this in this book he's called Silvanus, but nevertheless it's Silas and Timothy are with him. So he says, now we exhort you brethren. We exhort you brethren. The word brethren there literally means one born from the same womb. And so what we are speaking of here, Paul is not addressing necessarily, it, it includes them, but it's not solely them. He's not just addressing the leadership of the Thessalonica church. He's not just addressing, uh, if you will, the leaders or those in the hierarchy of the Thessalonian church, but he is speaking to the church as a whole with what he's about ready to convey here. So this wasn't what he's about ready to convey. Wasn't just the responsibility, if we can say it in modern day terms, this wasn't just the responsibility of the pastor, the administrative pastor, the youth pastor, the bishop. This was the responsibility of every individual that was a part of the church. And so he's making an appeal to everyone. Amen. And the appeal was simply this, as we read it, that everyone needs to attend to each other. Everybody needs to give consideration and attention to each other. Again, it wasn't the sole duty or responsibility of the pastor of the Thessalonian church or so on and so forth. It was everyone's responsibility to attend to each other. And all throughout the scripture, we see this over and over again. It's just not, it's just not a Thessalonians don't just have a corner on this. We see it in other uh, letters of the epistles and in the New Testament. There seems to be a, a, a healthy balance within the church whenever each of us take responsibility for ourselves. The Bible tells us about that. But not just ourselves, but also for each other. Amen? Well, I, we, I want to look out for myself, but it also I need to look out for one another. And so, although Christ, according to Scripture is coming for the church, church, churches. He's coming for the church. That one church is also noted in Scripture as being one body. But we know that that body and church, for that matter, is made up of several members. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 25, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. One body, many members, but those members are having the care for one another. There's other verses in Scripture talking about, you know, pertaining to uh, looking after ourselves. There's the verses that some would like to quote from Philippians, how we are to, the Bible says, Paul told them, uh, uh, Philippi, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Many of you are familiar with that verse, so we need to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. But while we have verses that are like that and similar to that, there are those other verses then that tell us that every one are members of one another. And so there is that constant twofold uh, looking to ourselves and looking to others. Other scripture says don't just look upon your own things, but look upon the things that pertain to others. So it's the looking within, the keeping ourselves and others. A few weeks ago, I, I stood up here. It was just during the normal service. And I shared with you a little excerpt actually from a book I had read. And, and the whole concept and the idea was basically that many people today tried to be independent. And that's, that's very well intentioned, but what they fail to realize is that if you're a part of the church, 
you're part of the body of Christ. Uh, to be independent is really to be distinctly non-Christian. Because God wanted his people uh, to be interdependent. He wants them to be dependent upon him and he wants them to be dependent upon each other. And so the apostle starts out of the shoot here speaking of the day of the Lord. And he says now, he said, I exhort you, brethren, I exhort the church, I exhort everyone. And there's four, four responsibilities that he lays upon the shoulders of everyone. From here forth. And these were the responsibilities then of the Christian to another Christian that Paul admonished him. He says, number one, warn the unruly. Number two, comfort the feeble-minded. Number three, support the weak. And lastly, be patient to, toward all men. That last one's a big chunk of it. <laughs> The verbs that are used in verse number 14, except for the first verb, and this won't mean anything to you, but just bear with me, are in the present imperative. And what that means is this. They are a command that, that, that supporting, that warning, that uh, 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 comforting, they are a command to be carried out as a perpetual duty. In other words, it's just to become a way of life. This, he's not asking for a one-time scenario, but this was to be a way of life. There would, should be among the church a constant ebb and flow of warning and comforting and supporting and being patient, for that matter, to the needs of each other. Someone say amen. The word warn in the scripture means to admonish. It means to speak to one about his conduct, reminding him of what he seems to have forgotten or what is rightly expected from him, even to the degree of a sharp reproof. Now, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm trying to keep safeguard any loose cannons precipitating from this, but we should, to a certain degree, as a church family, hold each other accountable concerning our conduct whenever we label ourselves Christian. Mm -hmm. That we should, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about being mean. I'm not talking about being ugly. But it's good time to time for us to remind each other who we say we are. Hmm? And what it's not and it's not what me as an individual expects from you, but it's what God has outlined what a Christian is and following suit with that. And so it's good to have accountability. Amen. Well, I didn't know it was going to be like this this soon, you know. It's good to have accountability. Now, now here's, here's the thing that we're going to have to get over then with this, all right? Because if you're going to warn the unruly, you have to make a judgment call. This was for the church. If you're going to warn somebody that's unruly, then 
Brother Terry McGee, I got to make a judgment call that your actions or conduct falls within the margin then of being unruly. And if we do that, oops, we've just done a cardinal sin in society because don't judge me. <laughs> to be unruly means this, out of rank. Don't do the prescribed work. You meddle with things that are not, that have not been commanded. Careless. Out of line. It was highly a military term. It, it applied to a soldier who would not keep rank with his division, but insisted on marching his own way, his own path. You, we, 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 I marvel. I marvel at it. Whenever you see the, the marshalling of, of an army and they are in step and in time. And son, they're, 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 every step and every movement is so calculated and they are just a symphony of people that, that's out there going. But if you have just one of them that, you know, about faces when he shouldn't be about faces, that causes chaos and confusion for the whole division. Somebody needs to be pulling on his uniform. <laughs> Buddy, nobody said to do that. Need to get back in rank. Notice the scripture. This, this happened literally in God's word. The Bible says in Psalm 78 and verse number 9, speaking of the children of Ephraim, one of those sons of Joseph that became a tribe that we've learned about. The Bible says the children of Ephraim Note them now, being armed, carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. Look at verse 10. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law and forget his works and his wonders that he had shewed unto them. So here's, here's Ephraim, the tribes, they're going out. They are armed, they're going out to battle. They have what's needed in order to do the warfare. But the Bible says they turned back. You know what they did? They broke rank. For our purposes, they became unruly. They broke rank. And note, note even, not just in a very literal way, but even in a figurative way that Scripture plays it out. They kept not the covenant of God. That's how you break rank, rank as a Christian. They refuse to walk in his law. <laughs> Someone say amen. They forgot or forget his works. See, when you become unruly, when you become unruly, you'll start forgetting some of the things that your commander in chief has done for you. When you start becoming unruly, you refuse to walk in the law. Now, if you refuse to do something, you must know what it is to do something. Huh? Someone say amen. And so here Ephraim is known then among them as the one that was turning back, the one that broke rank. Was it because he wasn't fully armed? It wasn't that he wasn't equipped with what was necessary, but it really came down he wasn't fully committed had everything that he needed to accomplish what needed to be done, but he just wasn't fully committed. Amen. And so, so those other verbs of, of refusing and forgetting and, 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 and not keeping, again, verbs I think that describe very well the mindset of the unruly. 
they, they decide not to keep and they decide to refuse and they decide to forget what God has indeed done for them. And so when we talk about keeping rank, keeping rank in the army, keeping rank in the army is not something that comes naturally. They are trained. It's driven within their minds. They are taught how to be disciplined. They are taught how to be disciplined. It requires hard work. See, the unruly, though, then, are undisciplined people. They are what other places in the Bible call those who are idlers, meaning people that just don't do. They know they can do the work. They know what work needs to be done. They just refuse to do it. Someone say amen. As a matter of fact, the origin of the word unruly in Scripture goes all the way back to the meaning of, of making a riot or being rebellious. There are many tribes that are listed in 1 Chronicles 12. And we're going to go to a scripture there. 1 Chronicles 12, there's many tribes that are listed there. Again, they are listed as being armed with certain weapons. Some are spoken of as having uh, shields and others as, as having spears. And some, even in that enlistment of 1 Chronicles 12, are spoken of as being experts in war. Others are called mighty men of valor. There are even some tribes, like the tribe of Issachar. The Bible states that they are described as men that had an understanding of their times to know what Israel ought to do. But see, even all of that list of, of the weaponry, being an expert in war, being a mighty man of valor, having an understanding of the times, all of that fails miserably if you don't keep rank. If you don't keep rank. And so the Bible says in 1 Chronicles 12 and verse 33, it says, and of Zebulun, that's one of the tribes of Israel, such as went forth to battle, here we go, expert in war, with all instruments of war, 50,000. Now, this is a commendable trait here for Zebulun. It's spoken of him, which could keep rank. And they were not of double heart. And so here's the tribe of Zebulun. This is spoken of them. You see it there as you read through the list. He's armed. They're experts in war. They, I like this because they went forth into battle. But more importantly, they kept rank after they got in the battle. Hmm. Which means what? They stayed with it. Mm -hmm. They stayed with it. And it gives a little clarifier there and says they were not of a double heart. Which is real similar to what James says in his book. Speaking of a double-minded man is what? Unstable in what? All his ways in the New Testament. So that means that these guys that kept rank, that were not of a double heart, were some stable guys because they're not unstable in their rank. They're not unstable in any of their ways. They didn't have any divided allegiances, right? Didn't have any divided allegiances. So why do you think then the Apostle Paul is telling us as a church that if we see someone that is unruly, if we see somebody that is of a double mind or a double heart, 
Or we see somebody that once you've been plunged in the battle, you're looking over your shoulder about cutting out a battle. Why do you think then he's saying, you know what you need to do? You need to warn them. You need to remind them what they've been called to. You need to remind them what I did for them. Was there not bloodshed? Was there, mm-hmm. Was there not forgiveness of sins? Was there not this, this, and this? What's going on? Somebody's forgotten. Somebody's become unruly. Somebody has refused. Somebody has said, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. Hey. Someone say amen. Zebulun kept rank. That was a notable trait of him. He's the sixth son of Leah. His name means dwelling. Because once Leah had him, she's she's vying for the attention of her husband, Jacob. And she thought, whenever I have Zebulun, maybe perhaps his birth now, now my husband will make my home or my place. He'll dwell with me rather than go back before between me and Rachel, me and Rachel. Perhaps he will dwell with me. So what what Leah seen in Zebulun is that Zebulun would, would become a tribe that would represent a tribe that would facilitate the ability just to stay. He had it too, buddy. He showed it in his own life, keeping rank. Now, keeping rank is, is important. Keeping rank is important. There are some things, according to God's word, that we all need, by classification, need to keep rank in. For instance, we all, keeping rank in this, we all must have the same object of our praise and worship which is namely God. We all need to keep rank with that. But if you want to get individualistic about it, what that means is this. If you want to praise God by raising your hands, that's fine. If you want to praise God by clapping them or dancing before the Lord or with some type of vocalization or a vocal shout, all of that's fine. You can be as individualistic as you want within that sphere, but you must keep the rank that the object of that is God. You know, I find that God seems to do that time and time again in the things that he expects of us, that he gives us a certain sphere to work inside of that everybody must work inside of, but then gives us a thumbprint of an individualistic individuality, if you will, for our own lives within that sphere. It's like, here's the perimeters. As long as you stay in the perimeters, do what you want to do. But you got to stay within I, I, we've seen it, and I, we've told this before. You know, where we go to these prisons, you know, they all have on the same, all the same garment, you know. I haven't yet to see the black and white striped stuff, folks, but, uh, you know, it's beige or it's all orange or it's all this. And so they're all there, and so they all, so there's a certain, you know, thing. But their hair, they can do whatever. I mean, it's, it's they, they get kind of flamboyant, and we think sometimes that's the way of them expressing their personality because they can't do their clothing or anything else. And so they have a certain means that they got to stay within. But then with that, they can. And so I, God is not so. We say, oh, living for the Lord. God, help us. It's so hard. There are things that he's asked us to keep rank on. But if you want to clap, clap. If you want to shout, shout. Amen. But we got to keep rank in keeping God as, as the object of our affection. Because whenever we don't keep rank, I've already mentioned it, it causes chaos for those who are still in rank. Mm-hmm. It breeds disruption among those that are still in rank. 
you have enough people that fall out of rank and the others are starting to question whether they are in rank or if they're in rank. Happens, happens, happens with, for instance, uh, this, this past week, my daughter had a field trip to Holiday World. She wanted me and my wife to be chaperones. So we, you know, we drank the Kool-Aid. And uh, we, we went and we were uh, chaperones. And it was getting toward the end of the day and we were sitting there and uh, her friend was with her and we were going to be taking her home. And, and uh, we were at a little Dippin' Dots ice cream thing and we were, the line was quite long. It was getting towards the closure uh, uh, of the park and we're standing there and, you know, uh, probably about five or six more people. We'd be able to get to order. And somebody that was standing up there looked back and said, from this guy on, they're not going to be able to serve us. Man, people start dropping out of the line. Well... You know, it was a kid that said it, so I was like, I'm not moving until I hear it from the horse's mouth. Because they just might just have been short and rhyme for some friend they had further back, you know, baloney on this. So we stood there, and from that guy back, they didn't serve anybody else. But uh, I'm, just, I'm just letting you know, whenever you have voices like that, that begin to speak, if you don't, if you don't watch yourself, if you've not kept the law, and familiarize yourself with that. It's kind of like whenever the apostle said, don't be blown about with every wind of doctrine. If you don't watch yourself, something can go by, and just because there's a segment or a group that says, yeah, uh, it's okay, that's no big deal, and they start going that way, it'll cause people that are in rank to start doubt whether what they're doing is what they should be doing. So it's, so, it's, so it's important. And another reason why, now this, again, I know I'm up here like warning the unruly today, but this is, this is our responsibility. Amen? Our, our responsibility. Again, don't be mean and ugly. Let no loose cannons go from here and start shooting people down. All right? I know, I was walking a dangerous line here. Uh, with this 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 morning but there's nothing wrong with some type of general do it through encouragement if you have to mm-hmm. you, if, if, you know <laughs> yeah it's a bless god you missed five services in a row you might just say we just man been missing seeing you and fellowshipping with you see that's a whole different venue and one reason why we got to do this and make it a lifestyle and continually do it, as, as much as I hate to say it, the unruly is going to crop up again. Amen. Paul dealt with it again in 2 Thessalonians. Notice 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse number 6. Here he goes. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, throw the Lord's name in there. <laughs> that ye withdraw yourselves... From every brother that walketh disorderly. Same word for unruly. And not after the tradition which we, you, you received of us. For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us. For we behaved not ourselves disorderly among you. Skipping down to verse 14. Look at it. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle. Note that man. Have no company with him. That he may be ashamed. Now look at verse 15. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish. Same word for warn. 
him as a brother. He says what we have here, what we have here is someone that's fell into rank and fell out of rank. So don't count them as your enemy. Watch them. Don't follow suit with them. He said, but you need to admonish them. You need to tell them, steer back right. Steer back left. You know, because what, 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 we, what I understand as a pastor, what I understand as a pastor is this. I've seen people in my church keep rank and fall out of rank. And so I know they can keep rank. So whenever I say, come on, I'm not inviting them to something they've never done before. I'm not asking them to walk a path they've never walked before. I'm just asking them to correct. like me telling my wife now honey I want you to leave house here today and I want you to drive down to Rockwood Tennessee where your mom lives and I'm not going to give you your GPS and I'm not going to let you have a Randy McNally Atlas because no one uses those nowadays anyway and said I'm not giving you that I want you to go somebody went wow that, that husband there I tell you what he's really something else do all that honey she's been down there a gazillion times that's where she used to live I'm not asking anything of her that's of some high demand because she's been that path before she's done it before And so whenever we, whenever we give the little nudgings and we give the little warning and the little admonishing here and there, honey, we're not being ugly. We're not, we're not asking of you something, amen, beyond. We're just asking you to live up to who you say you are. Huh? Is that right? Honey, we just go on over to the fire department, put the hats on them and the gloves and put all the arm and put, put an auction tank on their back and all that. Say, go at it. But never had a day of training, nothing uh, that, that probably ain't going to fly. But you have some jack standing around when the fire's going on, and you know what? You say, suit up, buddy, let's go. Why? Because he's been there before. It's time to get busy. It's time to be who you say you are. Go on, get. This is not a spectator sport. You need to get involved. You need to fall in rank with us. We, we're fighting some things. We're doing some things, trying to accomplish some things. It's like people that have all these different organizations, whatever they may be, and they got membership cards. There's, I guarantee you there's more people that have membership cards and quite fewer than that participate in the organization. But if someone would say they'd pull out their card, well, yeah, I'm a member. <laughs> I got a card. Well, I got to stay sweet. Nope. The verses of scripture that we've already covered this far. That being unruly or not keeping rank. Then has a lot to do. With our walk. As it's related in these verses of scripture. Some were walking disorderly. Or unruly. Ephraim had turned back. In the Psalms. And, and refer. It was, it was referred to there in the Psalms that he refused to walk. In the law. Notice this verse of scripture, Ephesians 4 and verse number 1. The Bible says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, this is Paul speaking to the church of Ephesians, the Ephesian church, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. I've taught this, this, this before in, in our Ephesian studies, that you walk worthy of vocation wherewith ye are called. Paul admonishing 
warning, urging that church, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. And they were those that were in Christ. What that simply means this, they were called to be the church. And so he was saying this, walk worthy of that calling. Walk worthy of that position. The word worthy there, axios, and I probably do not have that right in the Greek. It literally means this, and this is always, always has stuck in my mind from the first time I ever studied this. It means bringing up the other beam of the scales. I love that. I love that. Because it's in your mind like the old scales where they would put a standard on one side and then whatever it was they were measuring on the other. So on one side, you put your vocation. What you've been called to. And then on the other side is your walk. Is you carrying it out in your life. And what you want to do is bring up the other because what if, if the scales tipped like this, it means this is heavy and this is light. You understand it? But he said, walk, walk worthy, which means to bring up the other end of the scale. That means he wants your living, your walking to balance what your calling is. We got Christianity way down over here. He says you need to bring up the other end of the scales. You don't need to be a lightweight concerning being a Christian. You, there needs to be equalization that there's a match. There's equality between what you say you are and what you are. He said that you got to warn the unruly because what they have, they have a tipped scale. Huh? They have a, they have a tipped scale. And so you need, you need to balance out the scales. And so if our calling is to be the church, if our calling is to be a Christian, we need to walk worthy of that calling. Huh? So if you've been adopted into the family of a king, you need to live like a king's kid. And so, yes, rank relates to marching order. It relates to that of a soldier's marching order. But let's go just through a, just a little, another shade of rank, if you will. Not only can it refer to marching order, it can refer to a soldier's status in the army or whatever division of military it may be. So, also, though, rank in that sense also dictates a soldier's actions as well. The Bible, Genesis 41, 42, can't get away from Joseph. It's just been too close. So you just, you just spilled on over into this. Genesis 41, verse 42, the Bible says, And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. Upon being promoted to second in command of Egypt, Joseph was given a golden chain about his neck, among other things that he was given here in this verse of Scripture. And that chain about his neck, culturally, for Egypt, it signified the nobility of his new position that he had come to. It was a symbol then, in reality. It was a symbol of the authority that Joseph had. 
that, that gold chain about his neck did the exact same thing that the bars and stars and stripes and chevrons on the, on the side of a military does for them in their uniform. It was denoting his rank. And so that gold chain denoted Joseph's rank. But along with the rank become, comes the regulation of the walk. Hmm? Because rank implies a responsibility that is equal or comparable with that rank. That is why, that is why Paul, whenever he is speaking to the Ephesian church, he told them, you can read it a little further down in Ephesians 4.17, whenever he spoke about that they needed to walk worthy of their vocation, he a little further down told them, he said, ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. Oh. So you don't walk now as other Gentiles walk. Why? Because he had already told them in chapter 2. In times past, he said you were Gentiles who were without Christ. You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. He said you were without hope. You were strangers of the covenant of promise. He says, but now being in Christ, now being the church, he said all of those things that you were without hope, now you have. Without God, but now you have. We're aliens, but you're not. Strangers, but now you're not. What are you saying? He's saying your rank changed. Your rank changed. And he says since your rank changed, he says you don't walk today like other Gentiles walk because that affects your walk. Someone say amen. In other words, he said you were unruly, but not now because see, your rank has changed. And so... See, in Joseph's life, in a very literal way, he had another chain that regulated his walk one day. He had the chain of his imprisonment. Yeah. A chain that denoted his status. Literally. That fettered, that gave him a measured gait. Measured walk, a measured pace. The Bible says in Psalms 105 and verse 17, look at it there. He sent, this is a recounting of the story of Genesis, and he sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him, and the king sent and loosed him, even the ruler of the people, and let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his substance. Folks, you read just those few verses of Scripture and you start seeing a difference here in the passage of Scripture that has to do with rank and has to do with walk. He entered as a servant, but later he's lord of a house and ruler of all. He came with fetters and laid an iron laid upon his feet, but later he's loosed from them and set free. And a, a iron chain that used to be around his feet now translated into a gold chain that's about his neck. They both indicated, indicated rank, and they both influenced walk. Amen. What are you saying from me? I'm saying some people, I think, have misplaced the goat chain around their neck and let it slide down to their ankles.
listen, you're not a prisoner anymore. You don't have to be held captive to the things that you used to be held captive to. You don't have to go where you used to go. You don't have a mandate of somebody lording it off you. You have become, if you will, amen, set free by the freedom of Christ Jesus. That which used to bind your feet now is up around your neck and it means something totally different than what? You were a prisoner, but now you're set free. Who in the world wants to go with a chain around their neck to one around the feet? It has to do with rank. And so with that being said, a person's walk then should reflect their rank. Should be in tandem. And so not then even to keep rank in this sense is to be unruly. And it necessitates among us also should necessitate a warning as well. Now, I guess I've really already touched on a lot of this, but people sometimes want the prestige of the gold chain indicating rank, but without yielding to the conduct that the chain represents. It's kind of like wanting the perks Wanting the privileges without the responsibilities. Wanting the privileges without the responsibilities. <laughs> and we warn today, I'm going, I'm going to be good. We warn for the same reason that Paul warned. And I think this is something that we got to keep in mind whenever there might be that, that, gentle, that gentle urging of our brothers and sisters that says, hey, you know, love you, missed you, like to fellowship and see you, so on and so forth. The reason why he warned was because of the day of the Lord that would approach, that is approaching. That is approaching. It is not stagnant. There's not a day that is not getting closer to the day. And so with that in mind, Bob, you know, a little gentle warning never hurt any of us. Mm -hmm. A little gentle warning never hurt any of us. I read here recently... And maybe this will help somebody. And I'll, I'll hasten here to a close. I was reading recently in a book. And a gentleman was recounting the first time that he ever went snow skiing. Anybody ever been snow skiing? Skiing? Yeah, a few hands are out there. Some of you kind of raised your hand reluctantly like, yeah, that was, that was 50 years ago. <laughs> Catch me dead on him now. But he went and he talked about how he had just a great trouble steering when he was on the skis. He said he was very successful about standing up, very successful, of course, about sliding. You know, seemed to be a little uncontrollable over the snow. And times he would purposely fall for the purpose of keeping from falling off of the mountain or running into a tree. He said, but he seemed like he just couldn't determine the direction that he wanted to go. Stay on him, stay upright, just couldn't determine the direction he wanted to go. He said, till a professional ski instructor came by him and gave him some very helpful advice. 
He said, buddy, he said, steering is simple. He said, you just focus off on something off in the distance in the direction you want to go. And he said, your body will automatically guide you there. If I may adjust that just a little bit for those that are struggling with being unruly, not keeping rank at times, just focus on something in the distance in the direction that you need to go. And if I can put it in this context, because we're all members of the same body, and the body will automatically adjust to help get you there. Oh, Jesus. Someone stand with me today. Let's close it and wrap this thing up. I see just so, I just see so many things just from that little story that pan out for me. Because he had no problem standing up. Just had problem directing. And he would purposely fall whenever he thought there was a certain end of falling off the mountain. So many connotations in all of that. Let's close our eyes here this morning. Keeping rank. We exhort you brethren. To warn the unruly. We'll get to the others next week. We'll tie it all up. But to warn the unruly. Sir or ma'am please. Please. What the Lord has called you to. He called you to something. But in the same moment of doing so. He called you from something. Whenever they left Egypt. The Bible constantly uses the phraseology. That he brought them out. To bring them in. He brought them out of Egypt. To bring them into the promised land. And so if you feel like God has brought you out, that is, not, that is not the totality of the goal. He brought you out to bring you in. He took you from to take you to. Don't get so far into the wilderness that you're like, see, whenever we realize and we see that the children of Israel, you know, they start grumbling, complaining. Did we not have homes to live in Egypt? And did we not have, you know, the, the leeks and the melons and all this different stuff? Do you know the reason why that really arose among them? It's because whenever they left Egypt, they brought with them a mixed multitude. It wasn't just Israelites. They brought some Egyptians with them. And the problem of the matter was this. It started stirring among a group of them. Egyptians. That we're thinking about not keeping rank. And what did that do? Have influence upon the Israelites. Somebody needs to cast their eyes in the distance. And I don't know how far it is, folks. Scripture does not give us a day, an hour, or time. But we need to cast our eyes in the distance. And be concentrating on the day of the Lord. The day of the coming of the Lord. And allow our lives then just to automatically adjust. Our actions to automatically adjust. Our walk to automatically adjust. To hear him say. Enter on into the joy of the Lord. My good. And my faithful. Servant.
Can we talk to the Lord right now? I need you, Jesus. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.